Welcome to Black Women's World Podcast. My parents were married for 48 years and got divorced. You think I'm going to take 28 years for granted? And not know how I need to be pleased and know how to please that man? Yeah. Girl. <laughs> Let me tell you, and that is so true. It's so true. And it's a way that partners... You connect with your significant other in that way. And it brings you even closer together. When sex is good, it's only 10% in the relationship. When it is bad, it is 90%. Welcome. Black Women's World Podcast, the BWWP, where we get VIP access into the lives of Black women, or as we like to call us here, our sister nistas. We get to hear from some of our favorite sister nistas as they share their worlds with us and create connections, exchange realities, ideas, and baby, we get to recognize and celebrate how powerful we really are. Welcome to our queendom. I'm your self-discovery companion, your professional peacemaker, and I'm your host, Tracy Mack. Come on in and relax and sit with me for just a little while. Peace. Hello, everybody. I'm Tracy Mack, the professional peacemaker, your self-discovery companion, and host of Black Women's World Podcast. I can't even... I can't even keep myself together. I'm supposed to say the BWWP baby, but I was, I'm itching to talk to this lady right here. Trice Hickman. Trice, say hello to the people before I tell them how brilliant you are. Oh, thank you. Hello, Sister Nistas, and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to be here with you, Tracy. Yes, baby. Y'all, welcome <laughs> to Blindsided with Trice and Tracy. That's got a little ring to it, but that's the name of this episode, Blindsided, because Trice has a new book called Blindsided. I want to talk to you about you. Uh, girl, <laughs> I, I can't get myself together. In introductory form, as I should do formally, but I just have to be myself. Trice Hickman is a renowned urban fiction author. She uh, is brilliant. Her creative writing, it just draws you in. Her many books, the nine prior, because Blindsided is number 10, um, have just, I mean, Trice and I are friends, but I, I don't even know if I want to talk about that because I have to. We go back since high school. to <laughs> Tell them, Trice. <laughs> That's right. High school and then roommates, our freshman year at Winston-Salem State University. <laughs> yes, yes. Winston-Salem State University and Winston-Salem, North Carolina. To all of my sister Lisa lovers all over the world, let me tell you, Trice is probably the longest friend, in, in, uh, should I say, since high school that I still connect with on a consistent basis to now. And and And... You have been amazing. When I see your books on the shelves in the store, I told you I get grandma proud. But try <laughs> I want to be I mean, I want to tell the people about you, but I don't want you just you just sit there looking. I want you to I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you hear this excitement got me all I know how to interview people, but this is just, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is different. This is us. <laughs> how are you? Let me start with that. How are you doing? You know, I, 
Thank you for asking me that, Tracy, because, you know, a lot of times people don't ask, how are you doing? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it depends on what day you ask me. <laughs> because it's been such a difficult time over the past two years, not just because of COVID, but I have lost family members. I lost my father. I lost my brother. Yeah. And so then with the pandemic, it's just been really tough. But overall, I have to say, even with my good days, bad days, I'm blessed because I'm here. I'm blessed because I have people around me who love and support me. And that has been intentional because um, yeah. I've had to let some people go. Yeah. and love them from a distance um, to protect my health. Um, so I have to say I'm I'm. I'm in a good place right now, but, you know, one day to the next, I just, I just take it as it comes and just be great. You know, I'm trying to be grateful for everything. Yes. You know, and thank you for telling me and thank you for sharing with us and being transparent because I think sometimes we expect when we ask someone how they're doing, we want them to say they're fine. We don't really, sometimes we don't stand around to hear anything else, <laughs> you know, and it does depend on the day. I know with me sometimes, Trice, it depends on the moment. And it's not because I'm, you know, uh, out of my mind. It's just because that's how real moment, moment, things change from moment to moment. And we spoke briefly prior to even recording about how uh, we suffer from different things and sharing with people about what those things are can bring a sense of normalcy. Like, okay, it's, I'm really not that off. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because those moments change and, and, and life can do, as you've titled this book so masterfully, you can get blindsided. And uh, maybe in not the same ways of the uh, wonderful characters in this book. I mean... <laughs> Girl, you just right. I mean, we Bernadette Tess, Arizona, and and their lives, and and just the you talk about the real world lives that some people go through, and you bring them to such life. It's almost tangible. It's palpable. Um, in these characters, how do you do that? <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for saying that, Tracy. Because one of the things that I always want to do, I think any um, writer, you know, they want their audience to be able to connect with um, the subject matter that they're writing on, whether it's a memoir, whether it's not, you know, um, a fiction story. So for me, that's very important. And I think about that when I'm writing, but in particular with these characters in this book, it's the sequel to um, my book, The, um, the Other Side. Yes. which is in the Complicated Love series. It's the first book in the Complicated Love series. I came about these characters very organically, and it was not the book that I had intentionally, um, you know, set out to, to write. Okay. I was working on a totally different storyline, and I kind of got stuck. The, the story was moving very slow, and uh, this was several years ago. And so um, the book was due, the manuscript was due into my editor in a couple of weeks. And I had a trip scheduled 
with Todd to Vegas. And at the time, Todd and I were just dating. Okay. And so, um, so I said, gosh, I, I called my literary agent and I said, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, going, supposed to go on this trip. I think I might need to cancel it and, you know, try to get this book written. And she said, no, don't do that, Trice. Go on that trip to Vegas. Get out of your everyday space in your comfort zone and it may open you up to something new um, and you'll be able to write fluidly. So I said, you know what, that's a good idea. I'll do it. So we went to Vegas and the first <laughs> night there, Ty proposed to me. Oh. <laughs> and so I went to oh, Vegas. Ho, ho, ho. That's one of those <laughs> things. What goes on in Vegas, don't stay in Vegas. <laughs> God is good. Yes. <laughs> because, you know, I went to Vegas a little stressed uh -huh. and knowing I had this deadline and all of these different things that were so important to me at that time. Once Todd proposed to me and I knew, you know what, I'm going to be his wife. My perspective changed like overnight. Mm. And it made me think about being at a crossroads in your life and what that means to be in your, you know, going about your everyday life and then coming to a crossroads and making decisions. And I thought yeah. about my life in my thirties, my forties, my fifties. And I came up with this idea to write about women who were at a pivotal point in their lives, having to make decisions, tough decisions too. Um, and trying to get to the other side of that and what that what that looks like. And I just thought in my mind about these characters and they're all born, all three women are born on the same day. They're just a decade apart, 10 years apart. So one is 30, one is 40, one is 50. And they have these different experiences that they bring and they help each other as sisters through everything. And I've just been blessed with you included to have some really great sister friends. And when I say some great sister friends, it doesn't mean you have to talk every single day. You may not talk, but once a year. Yes. But when you do, that love is there. That care is there. That concern is there. Like you just asked me, how are you? Mm -hmm. You know, that's mm -hmm. someone who cares about you. They want to know how you're doing. And so I wanted to infuse that as well into the book. And so, um, you know, I had come to a crossroads in my life when I decided to leave a marriage that I had been in for a very long time and choose happiness for myself. And mm. that was very scary, very scary thing to do because I, I packed what I could in my car and I drove to North Carolina and started from scratch. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, having faith, in love and support, I couldn't have dreamed, even though I prayed for these things, I could not have dreamed back then that my life would be what it is right now. It's filled with so much. I'm going to get full, but we'll, yeah. we'll come back to that. <laughs> Look, I'm sitting here smiling like a chess cat because I, I love how your life has evolved and, 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 and you took that risk. I remember we talked uh, in, in that, in the midst of, of those situations, uh, uh, transforming and we both were in some strange places 
And uh, I was jumping into entrepreneur. This was 2012, 13 ish. Yes. And I was jumping into entrepreneurship and 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 and, and book and and dealing with different illnesses and and we talked on the phone for I think three hours. And uh, it, it's it's those sister friend conversations. Like I said, we don't have to talk every day, but when we do, the level of transparency uh, it it feels therapeutic. Um, and so many things. And so you see these in the characters, you know, two of them being related, but, you know, the bond that they have and and in the book, The Other Side, and you do have to read The Other Side in order to flow into these lives. I mean, if you get started on Blind Side, it'll make you want to read all other nine. But (laughs) uh, The Other Side, you know, gives you the segue into Blindsided. And uh, when you talked about uh, asking people how they're doing, these characters live uh, in, 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 in knowing the ins and outs of one another's lives, some being closer to the others, some telling one, you know, none of us tell one person everything, but we'll tell people bits and pieces. And if you put them together, they might know everything. <laughs> so even, I love the way Trice, even how you lay out timelines, you'll talk about a character up until a certain point, and then you'll go back two chapters later to fill us in on why that happened in the <laughs> And I, I love that, but the real world lives you give these characters. There's infertility in this book, uh, uh, erectile dysfunction, parental issues, uh, you know, issues with, with parenting, you know, how your parent treats you, uh, moving from one place to another, and uh, murder, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. so of real life. And sometimes we allow, I allow myself to get lost in the fiction, but then come out of it with lessons for the nonfiction life I live, you know, and I'm a self-help author, but there's so many lessons in the, in, in fiction books that you can take. And, and, and how do you do that deliberately, Trice? You know, yes and no. Um, I I always want my stories to, as I said before, connect with readers, and I want for I want someone to get something out of it that's going to help them, right? Because it's working, baby. Everyone, it's working. It's working, baby. <laughs> because you know, everyone's experience is different, and so two people can read the same book and come away with different experiences from that book or different understandings from, or different understanding from the person beside them who read the book based on what they've gone through. It's so subjective. And so that's what, um, whatever that lesson has to be for that person, because it's different for different people. But I do want, you know, just like my characters, when I write a character, I want that character to grow. So that character, when you meet them at the beginning of the book, has gone through some kind yeah. of transformation by the time that book is finished. And isn't that life? I mean, yes. or at least that should be the way we go about our lives. Yeah, I, There's got to be some it, kind of evolution. Yeah, deliberate. I think it's, life is going to make it happen. But I think uh, even the characters and even our lives, you know, when you and I discuss our personal lives, some things that like you just said about taking risks, some of these changes and transformations and transitions we make, you have to make them deliberate. You have to make a choice 
I am going to move. I am physically, geographically, emotionally, mentally, financially. You have to make concerted efforts and you have to make a deliberate choice and be intentional. And, you know, Trice, what I appreciate about your um, life that I've seen as an author in the ails of authorship, (laughs) you know, is you've been an author back in the day when it was only paperback or hardcover. You've been an author when you had to either go to the bookstore and get the book or order it from Books A Million or Barnes and Noble. Uh, you know, you have seen this literary world just shift. And um, I came in on the very tail end of that uh, when ebooks were, you know, well, to, you know, and, and from my experience, were beginning to merge and create space and all these other things came about. How has that changed? Does that change? because of even the, the readership, do you have to change how you write and who you write to based on how people acquire books nowadays? That's a great question. Um, Come back into I've your mind. I've never been asked that question. Okay, there you You have? <laughs> no. Well, here you I've go. I've never been asked that question. That is a great question. Uh, but you know, I would have to say I have not changed the way I, or what I write based on technology. I have changed the way I write in that I write more efficiently now. Okay. Um, What I used to do was write everything out by hand um, and then go back uh, on the computer. And, you know, that, and I guess because of repetitive and carpet tunnel, I just can't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah, But, I do everything on um, my laptop. And even when I get, it used to be back in the day when you got your um, your edits, your copy edits from your editor, they would send them the, the manuscript. It would come mailed to you. Now you get your blue line copy electronically. Yes. But I'll tell you this. I still edit though, and I still read for continuity and clarity, a printed copy. So when I get that electronic copy, I print it out because there's something that reads different, at least for me, if I'm reading something on an e-reader or on my phone, it reads a certain way, but if it's printed out, it reads differently. So yes, yes, yes. Cause even, I mean, I, I have to feel the pages. I, I want to touch the pages. And uh, I was telling her, you have to get blindsided. Blindsided by author Trice Hickman, uh, Sister Nistas and Sister Nisa Lovers. It is available everywhere books are sold. Everywhere books are sold. But it's something about touching those pages. Uh, I was sharing with Trice before we uh, started talking. You know, as, in general, most, a lot of people don't read or don't choose to read. But let me tell you, and, and most men don't read these type of books, uh, urban fiction. But a lot, some do. I don't want to. I don't want to um, stereo be stereotypical. But I was reading my copy, and you know, just sitting and enjoying it. And I was telling my husband Owen about certain parts, and I started telling him so much. I said, you know what? Let me just go to Audible, and download the book. Would you? It's available on Audible.com, <laughs> and we have been listening to the book together, laughing, pausing it to discuss something, because the texture you put on the lives of the characters, it's like 
it's, it's better than reality TV because you get to envision what the character <laughs> looks like, even though you do a great job of describing how they are, whatever. But we're discussing amongst ourselves whether we agree or disagree with how they responded. And that can even spark because something else that you mentioned the book clubs, that's another way. And, and see how you say you write because people see things differently. Owen and I, the same book I was reading in print and touching the pages to have a conversation with him who don't want to read urban fiction, but, but love talking about it, you know? So right. that, that in and of itself, I appreciate um, those options that we have, but I'm, I'm like you, baby. And I still start things out handwritten. <laughs> I start out handwritten because it's, it's like a flow. I don't know if it's mm -hmm. from my mind, through my fingers and my hand, but I too, because of I don't my, I don't have a UCL on my left hand. And I'm left-handed. I'm ambidextrous, but that's a whole nother story. I can't write as long as I used to, and I miss it. I really miss longhand. Um, yeah. But what are some? If, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, please. Oh, now if I ha have like an idea that comes to me or um, something in the storyline, I will write it out. And if I'm not by my computer. But, or I'll jot down like different notes because with each book, I'll have a notebook that I record some of the characters in and just different nuances because that's what I do when I create a character. I do a biography for them so yeah. that I know that character inside and out and I can write the story in their voice and not my own, not in part what I would do. Um, because that character then becomes a whole real person. Yeah. So in those instances, I will I will write by yeah. hand. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I love it. I mean, weight loss is even uh, in this book and so many things we deal with in life. And I kind of want to yes. shift because even though we're talking about this wonderful book, Blindsided, by my friend and author, uh, Trice Hickman, um, I want to talk about sometimes in real life, maybe tries how we've been blindsided to the, to the degree we choose to be as, as transparent as we choose to be. Um, we talked earlier about, take for instance, I deal with brain fog. Uh, and a lot of times it happens in menopause because you have characters in blindsided who, you know, are in their fifties. Um, but that's one way. But I suffered from many strokes uh, between 2007 and eight. So that started a level of brain fog. Okay, then 2020, uh, it speculated that uh, I had COVID, even though at the time it wasn't diagnosed. They just kept sending me home, sending me home, couldn't figure out bronchitis, sinus infection, whatever. They were throwing everything at it. And, and, and so I don't know if I had it or not. But after then, it seemed like my brain fog got a little worse. And then wouldn't you know it, the M word, menopause. <laughs> So it's I the feel devil. Like, yes, it is the devil. I'm sitting up here now oh. doing this because I'm having a hot flash. <laughs> Look, don't even speak it because <laughs> where's my fan? <laughs> don't even I had it just the other. Oh, it fell. Look. Uh, Hold on. I am having a hot flash. <laughs> But I'm out of screen right now, but I got to show you this. Okay. So I have a fan. <laughs> a mini fan. <laughs> the struggle is real. <laughs> and, and, and the thing of 
is, I, it, it, just total transparency, Sister Nisa's and Sister Nisa lovers. Normally when I do the podcast, I have on my Sister Nisa sweatshirt. But prior to interviewing my lovely, wonderful friend, Trice, I had to be on panel. And it was holiday oriented. Uh, and so I wanted to be holiday-ish. And so I would not normally be in this sweater. And so I'm sitting here co- concentrating on what we're talking about and all these little this little glistening popping to my- <laughs> these things are happening to me. Well, you know, the first hot flash I had, I didn't realize that it was a hot flash because I'm cold natured. I usually am always cold. So we were sitting in church and I started feeling hot. <laughs> And I looked at Todd and I said, are you hot? <laughs> he looked at me, he said, no. And it's usually freezing inside our church. It's usually mm-hmm. very cold in there. I said, boy, it's getting hot in here. And I just kept getting hotter and hotter to the point where I took the church program and I was fanning like this. And everybody around me, nobody else was fanning. And I looked and I was, and Todd was so alarmed because he didn't know what was happening. And then I thought, Oh Lord. And there was an older lady who was in church and she and I caught a glimpse of her and she looked at me like bless her heart. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first hot flash and I didn't realize it. But from that point forward, oh my gosh, it has yes. just been, and you're right. It the the things that you hear about menopause, you always hear about the hot flash. Right. And I didn't really appreciate how intense it was until I had one. But there are other things that come along yes. with it yes. that can completely disrupt your life. Like we were just yes. talking about with brain fog. Mm-hmm. I have been struggling doing um, interviews and podcasts and um, book club meetings because there are times when I know what I want to say. Yes. yes. It's like um, cup. I know it's a cup. Yes. It's just a three-letter word. (laughs) I can't, (laughs) but I can't think to say cup, you know? Yes. Yes. And it is very unsettling and disturbing. I remember years ago when I had gotten into a car accident, I had a concussion. Mm. And I had brain swelling. And I remember when I went to physical therapy, and I went to my doctor, he told me that because of the concussion and the, the type of concussion it was, that I was going to have maybe some cognitive delay you know, difficulties for uh-huh. a couple of months. Well, this is what it feels like. It feels like I'm in a continual concussion. Yes. everything you know i've i've struggled with pernicious anemia and have to get iron infusion so i stay cold fingertips nose you know toes everything usually stays cold on me so can you imagine and i'm not trying to be funny but can you imagine how and i'm not and, and i'm very sensitive to the word bipolar but the physical bipolar feeling you have when you're dealing with anemia and a hot flash at the same time <laughs> can't even imagine you know everything I'm just is cold. Up yeah my how are my fingertips my nose and my toes cold but everything else is wet and so it's like you know but that like you said that's just one but the brain fog has even changed my profession I'm 
I'm not grateful for the negative things that have happened during the pandemic, Trace, but for the sake of not having to travel to teach and speak and uh, do coaching things, because mm-hmm. I literally, like you, am in the middle of speaking, and I, and I do very well speaking uh, to crowds, but, and I know my material. I know it like the back of my brown hand. But when you get up there and due to whether it be the stroke delay, the possibly COVID uh, mental issues, and then menopause, brain fog, sometimes I know it. I know the slides backwards and forwards. I built them. I I I've created the curriculum and it's just not there. So it's like now, thank God, because of Zoom and other things, WebEx and Teams <laughs> and Google Meet, you know, I'm able to do things and, and I, it, I'm having it right now. It makes it much less scary because, first of all, I tell the audience and the beauty of it is, which is why I don't regret it and I'm grateful for it is because it has made me be way less filtered. Sorry for other people. But it works for me. <laughs> you know what? And that and that's that's very real. You have to do what works for you. And it helps you to survive. Yes. You know, yes. it helps you to thrive. It helps you to go on. And I think we're all just in the midst right now of trying to find what's going to work for us. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, because so many things have happened in the last two years. People have lost loved ones. People who have had COVID, like they suspect you had, mm-hmm. may that it may be lingering um, effects of it. Um, yes. You know, so we're all dealing with, you know, so many different things and you have to find what is going to help you cope, what is going to help you deal and I think when you're walking in truth um, and owning that truth, like, you know, for me, it was hard for me to open up about what I had been through in my first marriage. Yeah, yeah. And I kept it all inside. Like, even my mother didn't know some of the things. For her that sweet self. I- Oh, she is. I just love my mama. Hey, mom, because I know she's going to be watching this when it comes out. But, uh, you know, I didn't even tell her some of the things because of shame, um, because of, um, you know, I felt like I should not accept certain things, yet I was accepting them. You know, but once I decided that, you know what, this is my life I have to live. And I've got to live it in a way that is going to be fulfilling to me, even though it was scary to make yeah. those hard choices. I made them and I yeah. went through them and I thrived. And so, you know, I I can tell anyone now who is listening or watching, um, if you're struggling with something and you are afraid, face that truth. Yes. Um, because it's always... You know, the thought of something is scarier than the actual action of it. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and I'm glad you said that because sometimes we create, we give fear our imagination. And I learned that um, even when you and I talked in 2012, 
that was one of the first lines, or should I say in the first chapter of my book, that I had to stop giving fear my imagination. Fear was coming, but I was giving fear so much more than what it had. It didn't have, I was giving it all the equipment. <laughs> what about this? What about this? What about, and fear just came with one thing and I gave it 10. And so when you, when you talk about uh, the, the challenges and the things that we go through, you know, even the characters in the book, book number 10, Blindsided. Um, being blindsided can really be eye-opening if you let it. And we we get blindsided by a lot of different things. Uh, the, this, the, the world was blindsided by COVID. <laughs> you, know? you know, we can get blindsided by divorce, blindsided, the holidays, um, um, the triggers that happen this time of year. You know, Trice, what are some things uh, that may have blindsided you and uh, that in turn, uh, by the grace of God, became rather eye-opening for your benefit and worked out for your good? You know what? I'll go back to the very beginning of my career um, because I had suffered from writer's block for nearly 20 years wow. before I wrote my first book. So, um, you know, it was something that I had wanted to do for such a long time, but because I couldn't do it, and that's what built up the anxiety and made the, the um, writer's block even worse. So when I was finally able to write the book, I thought, this is a masterpiece. <laughs> As every new author does. You know? And so I had in my mind that once I wrote this book, I was going to send the manuscript out to an agent and get an agent to represent me. And then the agent would, you know, um, sell my manuscript to a publisher and I'd get this huge book deal and I'd be on the New York Times bestsellers list, right? Yes. Big wrong. So, <laughs> so when I sent that manuscript out that I thought was a very strong story, I got rejection letter after rejection. That was blind. I was blindsided by that because I had not anticipated that. Because truly, in my mind, in my mind, I thought, this book is good. It's going to sell. But I had rejection letters, some were form letters that just said, um, you know, we're not interested. We're going to pass. Others were, um, this story is not, audiences will not relate to it. It is not going to sell. Those kinds of things. So every agent, editor, publisher I submitted my work to, they they passed on it. And so what I had to do is kind of like the, the book's predecessor, the other side, is get to the other side of that and figure out, okay, I know God didn't bring me this far just to let the story go. That's right. So so how do I recover from this? Because that's what life is about. It's not about what happens to you. It's about how you recover from it. Absolutely. So I quickly said, I believe in this story. I never stopped believing in it. I never stopped believing in myself as an author, even though I was blindsided by all that rejection, you know, yeah. after so many. I'm, I'm having a moment and, and I don't mean a hot flash. <laughs> you can keep talking. I, I just had blindsided by rejection. Yeah. Wow. Keep talking. Yeah. Keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> So it it was it was devastating to me for a minute, you know, um, 
But I quickly had to reassess and say, okay, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do now? And so I spent the next two, probably two and a half years um, in a job that I didn't want to be on. <laughs> but that job allowed me to save up enough money okay. so that I could quit it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and in the meantime, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was making you know, a good salary. I, so I was able to save up my money, okay. plan, do my research on mm -hmm. the book industry. And I said, okay, I'm going to um, put everything I can into this book. And I that's, that's how strongly I believed in not just what I had written, but in myself as a writer. I really did. I believed. And I have faith. When you have faith, it can move mountains, and that is the truth. When you know that you know that you know. There you, you go. You know, when you when you may not even have all the answers, but you know that thing, or like uh, one of my uh, book colleagues call it a book baby, or whatever that vision is. When you know that you know down on the inside, can't nobody tell you nothing different. And the reject, the blindsided by rejection, my mind went back and, 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 and it's really nostalgic for me to both of us growing up in small town America, military community, Havelock, North Carolina. And I'm going to talk about me and you can say if it's you too. Preacher's kids. My dad, Bishop in the church, small town. A little bit of a misfit. <laughs> Two siblings. <laughs> Sweet mamas. <laughs> hey, mom. <laughs> Your and mom is so sweet. And likewise, oh, she is. She can be. She is, and yours too. And and I'm thinking the times, and it may not have been, and this is not one of those, people didn't like me things. This is just a reality. It may have been how I took it. I was not popular in high school. I, I don't know, but, you know, I was, pos you know, a little mousy. Um, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, like I said, popular or anything. And even going through life, I just kind of, you know, kept to myself. And I took it as rejection, even if people didn't mean it that way. But glory be to God, when I go back and think about the goodness of Jesus, <laughs> and I sit here and look at you, I have to say, look at you, and I see the beautiful woman you have become, the wonderful oh. life you have with your husband, Todd, and your children, and I'm thinking about how blindsided by rejection had a way of preserving, because God knows, Christ, we look damn good for two almost 53 year old women for one <laughs> stay tuned for more of the bwwp blindsided is the edgy sexy page turning follow-up to award-winning best-selling author trice hickman's the other side three friends who've shared everything including the same birthday bond over the triumphs, trials, and unexpected complications surrounding the men they love. Blindsided, a novel available online and nationwide wherever books are sold. Order your copy of Blindsided today.
to Black Women's World Podcast. Let's continue the conversation. Hey, you, you know, I, I feel blessed. I do. I feel blessed. But sometimes that rejection was preservation for the better. You know, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so many things are just ticking, you know, but it's like, can any good thing come out of half lock? <laughs> you know, we did. We did. <laughs> and got no shout out to all my wonderful half lock, Harlow, Hickman Hill, James City, everybody up and down Highway 70 and, 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 That's and right. Highway 101. Love you guys because I, I it was a family um, because I didn't have any blood relatives there except for my immediate family. But just thinking about the times where people may not have meant it that way, but I took it that way. But also thinking about the times that in in, in coaching and in authorship and growing a, a small business and, and being a Black woman. Do you know how many times I've been rejected and then turn around and sub- had a white male colleague submit the same proposal, the exact wording, and get the contract, get the client? The rejection, and yet at the same time, I know that I know that I know that I know that vision and that thing on the inside, that if these other things came to blindside me, all things have worked together. Trice, you just set all of that off in me. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you you are exactly right. And I think, I don't know any Black woman, especially a black woman our age who has not been in a situation where not just we have to deal with the gender discrimination, but the racial discrimination as well. And having to prove yourself over and over again and having to face rejection, but act as though you've never been knocked down. Yeah, yeah. You know, that creates a lot of stress as well. It creates a lot of, and we have to face that and own it and then let it go. You know, because. Yes. And when I said let it go, not just pretend that it didn't happen, but go beyond it to what is next, to what we, what is meant for us to have and to be. Yes, because of the resilience that we have to have. We both mentioned our sweet mothers. They handled life a lot differently than we do, but just their sweetness was a level of, a, it was kind of a resilience as well. Um, and, you know, I, I thought about, I was telling a group of kids, they were talking about superheroes and I'm not that into Marvels, but I'm aware of, you know, um, the Legion of Doom and, you know, Mar- just aware, but, you know, I don't even know the names of everybody, but they were talking about Superman and, um, so I had to try to integrate, you know, with these youth, you got to try to stay on their level and integrate conversation. And we're talking to black, I was talking to young black women. And I said, you don't have to have an S on your chest. When you have survived this life, you have the black skin on your face. That is a superpower in and of itself. It really <laughs> to is. have to survive. And and I'm I'm thinking of, we just talked to Lucy Matswaga a couple episodes ago about the relationship between black American women and African. Oh, and by the way, I noticed the colors on this book were very black. <laughs> was yes. that intentional? Was that intentional? You know what? Actually, no, it wasn't. And it was a surprise to me. And I'll tell you why. Because it's a beautiful cover. Yes. I, 
I love this cover. <laughs> uh, it was it wasn't intentional, but you know that saying that everything works out the way it's supposed to, it's divine order. See, well, I gotta hold it back up for those who are watching. Those of you who are listening, you have to go, you have to buy the book so you can see your own cover. But look at that beautiful number one black woman. So that's a sister Nista. The red earring to me, I was saying power, then a little hint of green down here and the book. I said, Trace is a freaking genius. And look, look <laughs> at the headscarf. Look at yes, the headscarf. Yes, it's almost you know, kente. It's almost the, the kente pattern is in there, yeah. but then it's a plaid. And, you know, I'd be, I'd be too deep with it. And I was like, that's a mixture of a black woman, an African woman, and an African American woman. Look at that. Tra and you telling me you ain't even do it on purpose. No, no, because let me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me tell you the story and everybody the story behind this book. So all of my covers have featured models, right? Have featured like people, like yeah. the other side, the book's predecessor. So before each book, my um editor and the marketing department, they'll ask me um to send them my book cover ideas and what I see based upon, for the cover, based upon, you know, the characters I've written. Yeah. And so when they asked me for my book ideas, you know, I was going with the same thing that I, you know, had with the models. And they came back with this in the art department. And so I, it was shocking to me at first. And I thought, well, I've never had a book with a graphic. It's always been people. And so sometimes you have to get beyond what you're used to, you know? And I like it I love it because to me it's every woman. Yes. You know, it's not a type, it's not a complexion, it's not a particular hairstyle. I see me. I see you. I see my daughter. I can see every woman in this cover. And then when you get into the contents of the book, we can all relate. <laughs> you know, I love whoever you, the, the artist is, kudos to you. Kudos to you. Yes. I mean, and it got to the point where I started loving it so much. I said, well, look, can we do this with their headscarf? Can we turn it right? <laughs> See? So, and, and the characters, like you said, within the book, I think that everyone, whether you're a woman or a man, really can relate to being at a point in your life where you have to make pivotal decisions. You have to make decisions that can be hard and, you know, facing your truth can be difficult. And that's what these characters do. And the wonderful thing is that they're there for each other. Like for Bernadette, a woman who is 50, who has never had a meaningful relationship. She moves yeah. to a small town. She meets a man who loves her without reservation or question, but yeah. he has a past. Yes, yeah. And his past comes up to kind of haunt them. And his past could very well send him to jail for the rest of his life yeah. and disrupt their happy life. And oh, by the way, she finds herself pregnant with her first child at the age of 50. Yes. Then you have her cousin, Tess, who's 40, who is an accomplished writer. She has just gotten over, really not fully over, a failed relationship. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and that word to people who have uh, failed relationships, close the door before you try to move on. But in yes, any case, yes, yes, yes. So yes. she tries to move on. She finds this wonderful man uh, who loves her, but he wants a family. He wants to leave a legacy. And what she's yes. not telling him is that she may not be able to have children at all. But she yes. doesn't want to risk losing this man that she... It, it, it's so real. How many people have those thoughts and conversations on a daily basis? I don't care if you're not Black. Everybody has these conversations. And when you just mentioned men, men, I encourage male men, if you're not a male reader per se, get the book, get the audible, get the book in any way, shape or form because you've got Coop, Chris and Maceo. These dudes <laughs> who are attached to these women uh, in different ways, they have uh, stories of their own, um, their own issues that they deal with, their own past, um, their own current issues. You've got an entrepreneur in there. You've got successful. You've got come, you know, pull themselves up by the bootstraps, by their own bootstraps. And you can identify with this, but I just love the fact that you brought everyday issues that's drama in the book because we all like to read other people's drama. But if we take a moment and we see how we ourselves, how we ourselves have been blindsided, we can learn a lot of things from these characters. And I love the book club because Trice, you have coming up in the month of December. My, well, people can't get you now because you're all booked up. But Trice does private book club groups. So when you get blindsided, especially those of you that are going to do the contest that, that we talked about on our a promo video, we have a contest about how you can get a free autographed copy of Blindsided from uh, author, be best-selling award-winning author, my high school classmate and college roommate, Trice Hickman. You can get a free copy, uh, an autographed copy by going to Trice's website. Uh, and uh, Trice, tell them how they can do that again. How can they enter the contest? Yes, so to enter the contest, you can go to my website, which is tricehickman.com, my first and last name, T-R-I-C-E-H-I-C-K-M-A-N, tricehickman.com, and go to my book clubs tab. And there's a list, book clubs are very dear to me, and that's why um, I have listed um, in pictures several book clubs on the website. So if you can name each one of those book clubs that have their pictures on the website, um, you're entered into the contest to win a autographed copy of Blindsided. Yes. And so if you do that, and all you have to do after you do that is go to send an email to peace at blackwomensworld.com to be entered into the contest. And I will give you this book. This is the actual book. It looks so you don't think I'm tripping. I have two. I got yours and mine, the winner, and I have mine. Okay. So you will get this art because mine is autographed. <laughs> Special. Mine is autographed. <laughs> See? That's it, Tracy. Mine is autographed. <laughs> But I want you to get the book. I want you to get the book. I want you to use it as, a, as, as something to comfort you over the holidays, give it away as a gift, uh, use it to uh, even reach some places in your life that you may not feel comfortable talking about. You can see how the characters deal with it and what to do and what not to do. And, and give it as a gift. 
um, because it is holiday time, Trice, uh, we, this, this is recorded the week of Thanksgiving, but, uh, you'll, uh, this will air probably the first week in December. So I want you to get, but the- I have my holidays sweater <laughs> on with my little holiday bear. Let, 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 let me see it again. Let and my Christmas it. tree earrings. See, and look, look, I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all, I only, I, I normally don't have this on, but because of the prior Zoom and my roomie, who is holiday every damn thing. I mean, her Thanksgiving tape, I have called her the Black Martha Stewart because I am totally opposite. We're those kind of friends where you can be opposite and still get along. I might put up, I might put up a tree and usually that's Owen putting up a tree. Uh, and I, I might Does throw some, really? yes, I may throw some garland on the fireplace and whatever, but I'm a cook now. Let's see, I'm, I'm going to have those holiday oh, meals. Yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> You throw down, you throw down. But Trice, you you so you 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 do it so it's so like magazine. The pictures you put uh-huh. up, I'm like, is this something that you want to do in addition to being an author and everything you do, your work, your creative genius? Is this something that you want to do because you're so good at it? Hell, I pay for you to come decorate for me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you. You know, it is a passion of mine. And I think back to, I remember I was doing like this promo video years ago when I had written, I think it was maybe my second or third book. And one of the questions was asked, what would you do if you weren't writing, if you weren't a writer? And I said, I would be like Martha Stewart (laughs) or B. Smith or, you know, I would be um, you know, that person who is, um, a, you know, a DIYer, home design guru. I'm a very domestic person. I love anything around the house and decorating the holidays. And so it is something that I want to, um, to explore more. I have a a, um, a blog, Fabulous Southern Bell, that I started years ago and haven't really done a whole lot with at all. I'm going to overhaul Fabulous Southern Bell in 2022. I, I, I said I was going to do it in 2020. I said I was going to do it in 2021, but I have to do it now. You know, yeah, I have yeah. no excuses. I've got to do it. And um, I'm going to write and blog and share the things that I love all with the Southern flair because I'm, I'm Southern at heart, you know? Yes, you are. And you use the D word and that can seem like a bad word to progressive and innovative and forward thinking and moving women domestic. I don't mind the word at all. Um, I love because, it. I, because, you know, and I'm not, a, I don't do the decor, but I like, I like my house to feel a certain way. So I'm into the energy of things. So I like decor the way I like it. I place this here. It means something to me. It could be something very expensive or extremely cheap. It could be 50 cent. Things that people give me mean a lot. And I think things, I don't want to get woohoo spooky, but I think things have energy. So I just got finished de- de- decorating our, our back porch. And it's a perfect peace place for me. Every room in my home, has to invoke peace and calm and fun and be able to hold a lot of laughter. And so I may not look at 
things uh, like I'm an HGTV viewer. That's my TV is on that channel all day long. But at the same time, the way you do decor, it's influential because it's the care you put into it. You put its forethought you have. So it, I'm over here with my spidey senses doing this spiritual stuff like, how does this mic feel? You know, how does this particular, I picked this fan, you know, not only, you know, the hot flashes, but, <laughs> you know, the design of things, it, it has to yes. feel a certain way to me. So that D word can be a good thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, when people think of domestic, and especially if they think of domestic as a profession, like they think of it as something lowly, you know. Yeah. But when you think about domestic and you think about being domesticated in home. Yes. You know, there is nothing more powerful, more enriching, more nurturing than home. Yes. And how you choose to make your home. Yes. And who you choose to share your home with, you know? Yes. And so for me, I think that's one of the reasons, and like you said, the care that I put into, like, even something as simple as how I'm going to um, prepare a meal or yes. how I'm going to set my table. You know, I want to... Um, I want my family to be comfortable and to be happy. And I just like beautiful things too. And beauty is different to different people, yes. you know? And so, but I do want to share um, all these things with um, with the world really. Yes, you know? yes. And, and making, making your life beautiful, whatever that means for you, however yes. you go about doing it. Because yes. it's just so empowering. It is because what's on the inside flows from the outside. It's what goes on in your, in your home shows up in your work. And that's why, you know, I'm already an introvert and I always tell people I like my house. So in order for me to come out. <laughs> you have a beautiful home. But, you know, it's, it, I, thank you for saying so. It's it just things that feel beautiful to me. You know, I've got some pieces that I bought when we were in Japan that were very inexpensive, but it, it just what it does when I see it, how it feels in my hands. And I'm like that with people, you know, and I am careful about who I let, not only in my physical house, but my house house. Um, mm. and, it, and and But I just love the fact that you do those things because it shows up your creativity, not only as the author of your 10th book, Blindsided, but in how even the style you have on now, I'm looking at the bookshelf behind you, the plant, you know, everything you do, you you put so much care. Uh, and that look, that tender little voice of yours, you know, I, I'm, I had to fix the levels before we started recording. And I hope uh, Owen will fix them in editing that, that won't have me all heavy and, and, and deep. And you way up here, Tracy, because you know how you roll. <laughs> well, listen, you know what? It's so funny because I have been purposely trying to speak louder and to and to have more um I guess bass in my voice. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay look, look 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 you might have gotten the louder right but you ain't got no bass <laughs> I did a I did a um, a podcast yesterday for um you know for another show and 
afterward, I told him, I said, you know, I listened to it. He sent me the, no, it was, it was Sunday, I'm sorry. And I listened to it and I said, oh my gosh, I really thought I was putting some bass in it. <laughs> No, you ain't I got no bass. I feel like I'm 12. You know, and you know what? Friends giving to each other. You're trying to give me bass, and I'm trying to give you trouble. I have been conscious because I know what, what it will sound like to those only listening by way of podcast, and I didn't want the contrast, so I'm trying to speak in a higher register <laughs> because I'm with you. I knew something special was going to happen because I'm, I'm still wearing my assistant new okay. band. <laughs> See, you know what? See, look at friends. You promote, I ain't got on Sister Nista nothing right now. <laughs> nothing. And nothing. My <laughs> Women's World Podcast. <laughs> got on my shirt. And you thank you, Rumi, for coming through. See what friends do for each other. I got your book. You got my band. You're on my podcast. We're going to make this thing work. But listen, Ooh. Sister Nista Lovers, Trice, are there? I don't even know how we're going to edit this. Uh, because we eat for an hour and a half and we choose to try not to go this long, but I, anything you want to say in reference to the book, anything, blindsided, um, Hickman, what you want to say, baby? You know, and I, I, what I want to say is it's going to take too long and it's not going to, you know, end, it'll, it'll end up making us go over and talk about a whole other subject. But one of the things that I did want to, just briefly touch on before we end the show about the book is the character Arizona and the, oh, yes. um, the real situation that she faces in her marriage of sexual yeah. dysfunction. There are so many women who suffer with sexual dysfunction in their relationship and being sexually unfulfilled. And what I want to say to those women listening is that um, you deserve to be yes. pleased. You deserve satisfaction. Whether yes. you have to get it yourself or yes. <laughs> you know, because it, it it ties in, good sexual health ties in with our overall physical health. Yes. So I want to encourage women who are listening to empower themselves in that area. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and if you're in a relationship that is suffering with sexual dysfunction, there are ways to remedy it if Absolutely. you're both committed to improving that area of your life. So get committed to doing it and don't just um, go through the motions in silence. So that is what I wanted to say. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I didn't know how much of the book to tell. You know, I don't want to give away the juice. But, you know, Trice, that is so real because no matter what age, because I'm talked to uh, a lot of, well, not a lot, but millennials and zennials who I consider mentees because they consider me to be their mentor. And some of these young girls are really into quantity. They have a, a, a term they use called body count. When I first heard it, I thought it meant dead bodies, but that's sexual partners. Say what? what is body it? count, a term they use called body count. And so when they're talking about body count, for those of us who are Generation X or older or baby boomers, <laughs> uh, millennials, some later millennials and zennials, when they talk about body count, they're not talking about dead bodies. They're talking about sexual partners. And a lot of these young girls pride themselves on the quantity of sexual partners. Now, back in the day, we were like, no, we want to be called no hoe. And they don't, they don't want to be called no hoe either. But it was like, if you were too promiscuous back in the day, that was a bad thing. So when I'm talking to them about their sexuality, they're talking about body count, heat, is it, and ain't don't have a clue what an orgasm is or what it feels like. 
And they're leading themselves into being in these long-term sexually dysfunctional relationships because they're out to, to prove a point. And I'm not quite sure. I don't have my finger on the pulse of what that point is. It may just be attention, may, attention from men. But these guys out there getting off and these young girls out there laying up with them and don't know what to feel, how to feel or nothing. So even, you know, Arizona's issue in the book, being able to talk about it, because we think talking about sex cheapens you in some kind of way. But let me tell you, you better talk about it and talk about how good it is. You know? <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> you want to talk about it and talk about how good it is. <laughs> Especially as married women. I'm, I'm coming up on 28 years of marriage. And, I, and I'm a church girl. And I still love the Lord, ordained in ministry. But let me tell you something. After 28 years, if me and Owen McNeil don't have a groovy good thing sexually, we would not have been together. I couldn't have stayed with him and he couldn't have stayed with me. Now, you have to be honest in life and in longevity of marriage, your sexual uh, uh, relationship changes. Your, your desires change. Your frequency changes. But you better have that bedrock of knowing how to please each other. And if I can't tell you... Who you know? <laughs> I ain't got all the answers, and we even absolutely continue to seek help and hope, and 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 because you have to, you can't take it for granted. My parents were married for forty eight years and got divorced. You think I'm gonna take twenty eight years for granted and not know how I need to be pleased and know how to please that man? Yeah, girl. <laughs> Let me tell you, and that is so true. It's. So true. And it's a way that partners, you connect with your significant other in that way. And it brings you even closer together. When sex is good, it's only 10% in the relationship. When yes. it is bad, it is 90%. Yes. You know, and so you have, if you, if you're committed to that relationship and you want to, because if you're not fulfilled, if you're sexually unfulfilled, other things are going to bother you that wouldn't normally <laughs> bother you. <laughs> yes. So it creates that 90%. So you better figure out what can I do to change this? What can I do? And that's where your compromise comes in. That's where your honesty comes in. And that's where being mature and kind of figuring out what's going to work for us. Because and you so, know, Christ, that, that, you know, the old cliche, uh, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Okay. The way to a man's mind. I'm going to let y'all fill in the blank. <laughs> And it's not to control his mind, but if you want to be on his mind and have Ooh. him on yours, yeah. then there's some sexual prowess you have to develop. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I think I need to cut it off right there. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. <laughs> it is so true. And that's one of the things that my husband says, has says, we got to keep it fresh. You know, keep it fresh. And whatever that is for different people, you know, as long as you're two consenting adults that agree. Yes. Um, but that was a big part of um, this book in yes. dealing with sexual dysfunction because so many times we don't talk about it. And in particular with Black men, men in general, you know, um, they, their egos... Yes. surrounding sex just yes. are different 
Yeah, and we don't, we don't help as women if we pretend to be pleased. Oh. It's not helping that you don't need to emasculate him or destroy his ego. But at the same time, if you pretend to be pleased, you're exacerbating the problem that he may need to confront and deal with. You know? Okay. And, yeah. and, and I appreciate, you know, because we talked about, uh, you know, earlier, you know, being blindsided by different things. Blindsided by rejection. Blindsided by divorce. Blindsided. You can be blindsided by sexual dysfunction. Um, so Trice Hickman, author extraordinaire, my roomie, my sister friend, uh, I love you. I appreciate you for coming to sit in the BWWP VIP seat for the second time, but the first time on videocast. Uh, and I think you did your mama proud and your daddy. Rest in peace, Reverend Hickman. And I know the holidays may have, you know, may be a little difficult, especially after your brother passed. Um, but I appreciate you for letting me know some days you're okay. Some days you're not. And, uh, and, and allowing me to be vulnerable to, to share those days with you when some days I'm okay and some days I'm not. So thank you for being here, my friend. And you all go get your copy of Blindsided by Trice Hickman and go ahead and enter the contest and get this autographed copy I got sitting for you right here. So much love and peace. Enjoy your holidays as this will probably be the last episode for Black Women's World uh, for the year 2021 because I'm taking uh, three weeks off and uh, I get to, but you have plenty of episodes you can go back to and listen to from season one and season two, and we'll be moving into season three, January 2022. So much love and peace to all of you listening from all over the world. I'm Tracy Mack. You've been listening to Black Women's World Podcast, the BWWP, brought to you in part by Tracy Mack Solutions for Life Institute Coaching and Training Services. No doubt you have enjoyed being in our world, and it doesn't have to stop here. Head on over to blackwomensworld.com. This is my personal invitation to you to stay connected with me on social media and more. I'd love to see you there, and I'm so grateful you came to be with me here. Invite someone else to join you in our kingdom next time so they can feel the vibe of our tribe of Sister Nistas and Sister Nista lovers too. Remember to be kind, be authentic, be generous, be excellent, be grateful, and while you're at it, go ahead and be extraordinary because that's just what Sister Nistas do on purpose through mission with passion and compassion. It's a black woman's world, baby, and you, my Sister Nista, are proof. I'm your self-discovery companion, your professional peacemaker, and your host, Tracy Mack. Wherever you are in the world, may you love and be loved by somebody. Peace.